I am Doug Friedman. And I am Meredith Levy. And this is Your Mental Breakdown. The podcast starring us. (laughs) Guest starring also us. Also. (laughs) I got permission from the other show that I do to do this show just as a special one-time guest appearance. So I'm, I'm here. <laughs> Such a dork. Although, speaking of something else Ooh. you're doing. Yes. Even though you're probably going to be mad at me. So you guys, everybody, <laughs> Doug is putting out an album, hmm. a singing, a singing, a singing and guitar, <laughs> pl- an album. He plays music. Singing and guitar playing. Yes, that's true. He's a musician. And it's coming out, I think, what, October 26th? That's correct. I know you just did a pre-release statement. Is that what it's called? Letting everyone know it's coming out. We could say post. That's what the kids call it these days. Post-release? Oh, a post. post. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, how is it a post-release? It's not even out yet. Anyway, (laughs) I've heard some of it. It's amazing. So you guys. Thank you. It is under your, the name you used to go by or musically still go by, right? Douglas James? I've incorporated my real identity. I go by Doug James Friedman. So Doug James all Friedman. three of my names. Okay, great, great. So get excited. I'm excited. I'm very, very excited to hear it. Thank you. It's mixed for me. I mean, clearly you and maybe some of you listeners know, I mean, it's my story of grief and, and healing and what I've processed in my life the last few years. And I, I do it through music, through writing music in addition to therapy. Music kind of is my therapy sometimes. And yeah. that's, that's kind of what I went through and what I put out there. And it's, I'm glad that it's getting out into the world and, and eager for it to be received. And I honestly, I wouldn't say that I'm excited. I, I'm somewhat relieved just to be telling the story. It's sort of like yeah. when you guys, when you have something that you need to say that you want to say, that's hard to say. When you do get to say it, it, it sort of takes it off of you and gives you that kind of relief. And that's, right. that's what this is to me. I don't think I would ever say I'm excited because of the material and, and what it means to me. Of course. I will say this. I just saw there was a, an old, not that old, a few years old documentary that Judd Apatow did about the Avid Brothers, which if you don't know the Avid Brothers, check them out. I freaking love that band. I don't think I do. Oh, Meredith. Yeah, go listen to your Metallica and Grateful Dead and have a good day. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Have a nice day. The Avid, Scott and Seth are brothers um, and they, I mean, their harmonies are amazing. Their voices just sound great together and their music I think is great and the, the content of what they're doing is incredible and they've been around for a while. I only got into them like a couple years ago and... This documentary just blew me away because it was really going into some of their songwriting process. And there's one song that they have called No Hard Feelings. That's so incredibly emotional. When I first heard it, it floored me. I think I listened to it like a dozen times in a row. Just couldn't stop listening to it. It was amazing. It was very emotional. And it's something that clearly I can connect with as, as a lot of people can. Right. And in the documentary, they finished playing and recording a version of that song. And then someone says good job. That was great. And they have a reaction to that. Like that was weird. And they go outside and they take a minute with these cameras rolling on them. And they were like, it's just so weird to be told like that one's a hit or that's a really great song. You did a good job when you just poured your emotion out into this thing. Yeah. That makes sense. 
Yeah. And it was like me seeing that literally yesterday was oh. amazing. It was like, oh, that's kind of what I'm going through. And right. nowhere near the level that the Avid brothers are. They're, I mean, but songwriting, songwriting. And yeah. what you're going through is relative. Yeah. So check out the documentary. Check out the Avid brothers. Check out Doug James sure. Friedman. Check me out. <laughs> and in other news, I had a moment a couple days ago where I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to get a dog. And I texted my sister. She's what? like, well, <laughs> she's like, me. Cause I have to move <laughs> like in a f- end of January. And she's like, I mean, totally. Yes. And also maybe you should wait till you move. And also you have my two dogs that you can have anytime. I took them last night for a sleepover at my stepdad's. And I was Aww. like, I don't need anything else. What was I thinking? That's perfect. She's like, take right. them a few nights a week. I was like, Oh, love my sister. That's great. And you don't, you don't have to train them. And you don't have to keep them. Perfect and I don't have to pay for them because that was what I was like <laughs> thinking. I was like, fuck, man, food and the vet and oh, yeah. life and grooming. Yeah, it's a wonderful thing. I mean, I'm, I'm a dog guy, as you all know. It's just second nature for me to have a dog. And I, I, I love it. I think if I never had one, I would not take one on. Like it is it changes your life. It, it takes yeah. over in yeah. a wonderfully great way and an incredibly exhausting way, much like kids. Like I, I've talked to exactly. people who have kids yeah. and they jokingly will say like, oh, don't ever have a kid. Don't do it. And then they'll go, but it's the most rewarding experience ever. And it's, I wouldn't trade it for the world. I love it. I love it. I love it. Yeah. I think it's, and not, but, cause I don't know that they're joking. Right. <laughs> I think they're like, <laughs> if you don't have them already, don't have them. Like my sister would say, you can borrow mine. Perfect. Right? Yeah. Oh, I got a name question for you. You ready for what? this? Yeah. Do you remember that cartoon called Popeye? I think we just talked about it last week. Do I remember it? Yes, uh-huh. dude. Do you remember the the bad guy on Popeye? The bad guy. Oh yeah. Um shit. Bruto. Brutus. Brutus? Was it Brutus or Bluto? Brutus. You sure? Yes. What was my first I said Bluto first, right? You said Bluto. <laughs> you said well, no, you said Bruto. Oh. <laughs> yeah, Brutus. Brutus. Which, yeah. which sometimes Poppy would Popeye would say Brutusk. But it, it was it was originally Bluto. Oh. And then when they, when they, uh, I don't know, moved studios or something, they thought they didn't have the rights to the name Bluto. So they changed it to Brutus. Cause I never, I never remembered. I just remember the bad guy, but I was like, is he Bluto or Brutus? I think he's, I don't know. And then when they made like the movies, they renamed him Bluto and they used the, oh. the name Bluto again. But people were so confused. Like, are you, is it Bluto or Brutus? Oh, no wonder. It- and then eventually in one episode or somewhere, they kind of revealed that Bluto and Brutus are twin brothers. <laughs> <gasps> oh, yeah. I think I remember that. That's so funny. That was how they got around, like having changed the name. What was his name? Sweepy? Sweepy's the hamburger guy? That's Wimpy. Wimpy. Sweepy. Oh, yeah. Sweepy was the kid that Olive Oil and Popeye had. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Back in the days when things were simpler. Yeah, (laughs) much simpler. My Lord. Right? You know, (laughs) Yes. I will say something I said to you last week, my well-being isn't dependent on your reaction. It's like it's kind of an aside line. Yeah. Somebody was like, I love that line that you said. Like, I mean, it's true, but 
so often and in so much of our lives, our well-being seems to be dependent on how other people react or respond to us. Totally. I mean, it would be weird if it wasn't at all, because then it would be like we have no ability to connect to other people. And right. if your reaction to me when I walk up is you smell fucking disgusting and <laughs> I don't, that doesn't affect my well being, and I don't do anything to double check. Like, wait, really? Well, that sounds like something you might say to me, but you say it in a loving way and I know where you're coming from and it's fine. Right. It's about the reaction. If some, if you're anticipating somebody's reaction or worried about it or how good you feel about yourself is dependent on someone's reaction could be influenced by their reaction. Sure. I told my friend Brooke yesterday, she came over. You keep calling her your friend Brooke. You're talking about your daughter, right? My daughter, duh. my daughter Brooke came over Thank yesterday. <laughs> and um, first of all, we went on a walk and it ended up being like seven miles. I, I'm like, I'm so sorry. Cause I, wow. I was like, Oh, let's go down to this place. And then I went to the wrong place, mm -hmm. but she walked in the door and I was like, Oh, I was thinking about you. I was putting on self-tanner the other day and I thought Brooke should use self-tanner. And she's like, looked at me and she's like, what are you saying? I'm like, that your legs are pale. <laughs> she's like, doesn't your sister and like stepdad and shit say things like that to you? I'm like, yes. And I appreciate it very much. I said, you are also beautiful. She's like, that's what I was looking for. I'm like, okay. There you go. Cause she's from Connecticut and like has been living in New York. I'm like, you're in LA now. You need a little golden glow. Do you? Stay pale if you like, or get a tan through a bottle. Either way is fine with me. <laughs> your well-being doesn't depend on your ability to block the sun out. Sure. Or, or absorb it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> on that note. <laughs> Speaking of going off the rails. <laughs> <laughs> we got Sarah coming up. We have Sarah coming up. You can listen to her. You can, uh, as always, find us on social media. I would say that you can hear Drew on Patreon, but Doug is really lagging on pulling the trigger <laughs> on Patreon. And if yeah, I could find I a back way into it, I would, but I cannot. So nope, you cannot just a little more patience. It will be there. It will be there very shortly in the next, probably in the next week or two, Ooh, two at okay. the most uh -huh. one week at the, at probably by the time. Yeah. Yeah. We'll just go like, yeah, probably in a week. Okay, in two weeks, if it's not up, you're in trouble, buddy. <laughs> you can launch it without me. You okay. can launch it without me. Okay. I will protest, but you will override me. Yes. Okay. You heard it here first. Okay, good. <laughs> and then you'll hear you'll hear Drew there first, and it'll be exciting and fun. Well, you'll hear Drew there second because they've heard him here first. Then they'll hear him there. They got to know him here. Right, right, Come right. Come for the yeah. Drew, stay for the Drew. Wait. Uh. <laughs> okay, that's just weird. <laughs> Yeah, now we're off the rails. Yeah. How's your week been? Still crazy. Still crazy. Work is literally nuts at the moment. Mm. Still same same issues where, because I'm trying to make myself uh, indispensable, I have been making an effort to, like we talked about last week, to tell people, okay, you're going to have to basically just wait your turn. I've been so stressed because things just keep coming at me and everybody wants deadline this and yesterday this, and this needed to be done. Like today, I was quite proud of myself because <laughs> another department just sends me a meeting invite to discuss a new massive project. 
for tomorrow. And I had already booked time off tomorrow. Normally I would have said, okay, yeah, I could probably squeeze in that meeting. And then, and I was like, look, I'm so sorry, but if you want me to be involved in this, you're going to have to reschedule for Monday. And they did. Yay. I was proud of myself. (laughs) That's great. That that's huge. I love what you're doing with this because this is you really protecting your time and your energy. I think I said that to you a few weeks ago. The only commodities you control are your time and your energy. Exactly. And it's standing up for yourself when it's you mm-hmm. isn't something that comes very naturally for you. Standing up for someone else, you will do that Absolutely. in a heartbeat. Right. <laughs> yes. Yes. I told you we started our reviews, like our annual reviews. Right. And my scores are always exceeds expectations, except the only thing we would ask her to do is to slow down and double check what she's sending prior to sending it. Mm. You know me, I hate to fail, hate it. Mm. And it's not like I've been failing, but what I've sort of figured out from that is the only way I can slow down is to start here where I'm starting and set some boundaries and say, okay, look, you want me to handle all this stuff, then you cannot tell me to slow down. And if I miss something, fix it yourself because I'm basically like an assembly line at this point. I'm just, I have to be part of everything or it gets stuck. So if you want me to slow down, you either need to get me help or everybody just needs to stand in line and wait longer. If I can slow down, that would be amazing, <laughs> but I can't at the moment. There's just no way. And that, that's why I love you standing up for that, that boundary. There is a way to slow down, but it's a way that's not acceptable to you or maybe to them. Yeah. I definitely have to put my foot down at some point. And I think now is probably the good time to do it. Normally I just sort of go into my zone. I just block everything out and I just I just have to power through. Right. And there's times that that's fine, but every day, all day is not fine. And I'm going to burn out so hard if it doesn't ease up. So it's good. You're asking for help is standing up for yourself and putting your foot down and having boundaries. I'm, I'm going to draw a comparison and, and go with me here on this one. Mm-hmm. I want to talk a little bit about if you can if you can sort of frame and think about the kind of mother and the kind of involvement you want to have when they are in college and maybe even post college if you can kind of wrap your head around what that might look like there's instinct for you mm-hmm. and there's probably things that you won't want to admit like oh yeah if they're going to go off to college I will go with them. I will help them pack. I will help them unpack. I will walk them to their class on the very first day. I It'll so be- will. <laughs> right. Well, they won't let me walk them to class, but <laughs> right. <laughs> the other stuff. Yeah. And, and that's exactly. And that that's the instinct. And that's you being involved in every step. So let's look at them going through college and out of college. We'll look at the, the Disney version and the horror movie version of how okay. it would go of them in college and, and maybe even beyond. So Walk me through what your mothering would look like. Now that they've gotten older already, I've become way more hands-off unless they need me. So thinking college, 
there's things for sure that I would just want to do with them. Right. Not because I didn't trust them to do it on their own. Right. And I think that independency is very important for, for young kids as, as crap as my upbringing was, that's the one thing that I think made me who I am is just, nobody was looking out for me. Nobody was there. So I had to man up. So Disney version, they want me (laughs) to be involved. I get to drive them. I get to help them set up their dorms. And then, of course, give them a kiss on the head and take off because they wouldn't want any of their friends seeing me, even in the Disney version. I don't think they want that. (laughs) In the Disney version, I get to do all the fun stuff with them. But really, again, just remain the mom on the other end of the phone. Yeah, because that that's sort of how I want them to experience life, to know that it's on them. But if they need help or they hit a problem, I'm here. What you're talking about, it's allowing them to have autonomy and be independent Mm -hmm. and know that there's a safety net. Exactly. If, If you need me, I'm here. And hopefully you can figure it out for yourself. And if you can't, yeah, I'm here. Yes. That sounds like that was something that you had to do for yourself when you say man up you're like yep and and to a degree you were probably taught that at a very early age well and just abandoned yeah yeah we weren't allowed to complain there was no guidance you know there was no if you had questions or you were sad or you were upset there was you never never went to somebody talk about that or you would just get all kinds of whatever punishments if you wanted to figure something out you did it for yourself that was it and i think too as you told me a little bit about it even if you did do all that it's not like you got acknowledged or praised for like oh you did a good job or no, oh thank no. you for doing that that was just what's expected and you just you just can't mess it up correct if you got acknowledged it was for doing something wrong or doing something bad exactly exactly Fast forward to leaving home at the age of 15 and having no education, no idea what was going on. There was literally nobody. There was a library with books. There was no Google. (laughs) There was nothing. I mean, I spent days and days in libraries at the beginning, you know, just trying to figure out life. I was trying to get a job working as a receptionist. I had no idea what to do. No idea. You know, I was great at being like, yeah, no, I got this. I had no idea. So whatever jobs they gave me to do that night, I would just head straight to the library and just pull like every book I could find. In one way, it was it was heartbreaking and horrible. But in another way, you have if you have no other choice, then your only choice is yourself and you have to make a decision. Yeah. I mean, it, it speaks to your strength and resilience for sure. Our strength and resilience get tested or put into place when we deal with such great adversity. Yeah. So I definitely don't want my kids to ever have that alone or deserted feeling. I only want them to understand that they need to give it a college try for anything trying to start a life is very difficult. And there's so many things happening and coming at you. And just, I want them to feel all of that and feel the responsibility and understand. 
I want them to have what they need and then learn the responsibility. If they're making their own monthly payments or they have, they're balancing their budget, so to speak, and and they're figuring those things out, they're going to screw up. It's inevitable. That's how, that's how we learn. Yes, absolutely. But I think you're very open to them and would embrace them. I can air quote this word failing because it's not failing, it's learning. I know what it was like for you. So I know that you're trying to create not that for your kids. I, I wonder how they do experience not succeeding. What, what I like to do and what I've done always with them since they were little was to say, okay, where did we fail? How did we fail? And what can we do next time so we don't fail again? Wow. So I don't know, uh, for instance, daughter they had a huge school assignment recently and she worked so hard on it. She, she did such a wonderful job and she got like a C and she was just so upset. She was crying and mm. she was just so angry with herself because she felt like she failed especially after putting in all that work. So I was like, okay, well, let's take a step back and let's go to the very beginning of the assignment and read all of the instructions. And we're going to look at your end product and we're going to figure out why after all that work, Hmm. you got a C. And sure enough, she had skipped over a section. That one section having been missed was that piece of the grade gone. The ones that were checked were brilliant, <laughs> but she missed one. So then she was like, ah, oh, I'm so stupid. You're not stupid. In fact, that is just a very, very human thing to do. And you're eager to get started. You may have even read it to begin with. And so she had, she mapped it out in her head and then she just went with her map. And she didn't go back and make sure she checked it off before she turned it in. Would you say it would be it would be useful for her to learn how to slow down? <laughs> Absolutely. I am sure all my kids have my worst traits. When I when I say this stuff, I'm half kidding. The other half <laughs> is it comes from somewhere. Mm-hmm. And something incredible about this, really, you are a a wonderful mother. I think I am. Yeah. You're looking at the experience that you had growing up. You're doing something very nurturing for your kids that's about their own growth and their own life and their own process. And I'm here and I got you. What you're teaching them and how you're teaching them, if you can, if not, I will reflect it to you you can learn from yourself as you're teaching them. You've always been your greatest teacher in the library, doing everything that you're doing, learning how to do things. You are still your greatest teacher. You're now doing it for your kids. I can hear it and go, wow, what you're telling your kids is what you didn't get to hear. Yeah, that's interesting. And I think that's actually wonderful. I have two modes, right? I have work and then I have mommy. Mommy is very reflective, very calm, very let's go to the beginning. Let's not freak out. Then there's work that doesn't have time (laughs) to be mommy. 
I want to learn from myself. And what you Mm -hmm. just said was brilliant, actually, because the way I was describing that and then you saying that, I'm like, hmm, yeah, why don't I do that for myself? I don't know. I need to maybe figure out an element of what I am teaching them and actually implement. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, pause for, pause for a second on that. Cause you're going into figuring out intellectual mode. I don't want to go there right now, but let's, let's kind of look at everything that I'm telling them, you know, is wondered that mommy like that. Wow. Okay. Where was mommy for you? Not only was mommy never around, sorry, mom, she's not stupid. She grew up on a farm. Even if she wanted to give me advice, there's not a whole lot that would really matter to me unless I decided to buy a farm and raise cows and drive tractors. So so it was kind of a double-edged sword. If she was there, I still didn't really have the option to learn from her or get advice from her on things that mattered. And what I did have questions about and what I did want to know, she didn't want to tell me for sure. And or she just didn't know. She has a very kind of simplistic walking through the cornfields view on a lot of things in life. She, she just doesn't have a whole lot of relevant advice. Yeah. And, and look, I mean, she also entered into a cult and brought you guys up. Right after the farm. Yeah. Yeah. We went from farm to cult, right? That's a whole other story. And we'll get into that. The story that I want to really hit now that we're kind of scratching at, and I want to just dig a little more at this, isn't about your mommy. It's your experience. It's not about her. It's what was that like for, for little, you know, as I like to say, that there's a, there's a wounded version of us from childhood. And you've got many wounds from childhood. But there's a little Sarah that didn't know much, wasn't sure of things. And even as you said it in the cult, like knew some things weren't quite right and were actually wrong. Yeah. But that little Sarah, before she became at that young age, mama bear and helped get her siblings out and do all that. Before that, there was a little Sarah that didn't have a mom figure that didn't have, yeah, you're shaking your ass. Yeah. Always heartbroken. Literally heartbroken is the best description because I felt so sad. My dad was my guy, but he left when I was six. And a lot of my memories of of the heartbreak and sort of the abandonment and the frustration begin after that. There's a whole element of fear as well for for members of the cult. There was a whole element of fear about giving any kind of advice that was, what's the word, secular? A lot of questions I had were, you know, oh, what did you do when you were younger, you know, before you joined this group? Always like, I'm not going to talk about that. Oh, well, that doesn't even matter anymore. Those types of answers, you know, whereas I asked my dad, hey, what did you do before all this nonsense? And he'd be like, oh, I was a chartered accountant. I made crap tons of money. (laughs) 
right. <laughs> and he would give me the information I was looking for because of him leaving and my parents divorcing. I just never had anybody that I felt I could rely on or count on or go to ever, literally ever. Yeah. And, and just to, to dig in a little bit, you might have picked up on their fear, but that's them. For you, the experience wasn't fear. It was different than that. Yeah. Frustration, probably a little bit of anger at some, some points. Mm-hmm. Frustration, I think, led to anger and always ended in heartbreak because yeah. I either never got what I wanted to get, or I got disciplined for asking the wrong questions, or you just kind of get to a point where you're like, all right, never mind. I'm just going to stop trying because I don't want to feel any of those things. Right. The heartbreak is heartbreaking. As you were saying this, and I saw your, your hand make this motion, right? You know, which was, that's, that's the dismissive, right? You're, you're getting dismissed. I, I, I do that questions. a lot. When I talk about my past, don't I? Yeah. I just, I push, push it away, push it away. That's sort of what the elders in the cult were doing when you would ask them about what kind of life did they have before? Oh, I don't want to talk about it. They would dismiss. Part of how I heard that from you was they don't want to do anything contrary to the programming. We need to toe this line. This is, this is what we do. This is what we say. Mm-hmm. And for you... Yeah, that, that seems like it's it's really dismissive and it's almost like telling you you don't matter. It sounds not like it's, oh, I was just kind of left alone. It was worse. It was, no, no, I am disciplined if I get it wrong or if I do it in a contrarian way. Either I'm getting high praise for doing it you know, right or the way it's supposed to, or I'm getting disciplined for doing it wrong. Yeah. There's no curiosity. The, the idea of safety net, nope. None of that. And you know, it's interesting as you're sort of breaking this down, because I'm thinking about my brothers and sisters and how each one of us reacted differently to this treatment. Like one sister became like super flirty. She dated every guy. She always center of attention. Another sister just started telling stories, making up stories, just always pretending, Mm. always pretending that she was someone else, somewhere else with a different life, which served her well. And then a brother just went all in. He was like, okay, I'm a cult member. I'm going to climb the ladder. I'm going to do everything they say. I'm going to become a leader. And I'm it's interesting. I just retreated and sort of just waited for my out. And each one of us, I guess, reacted in a way because we all experienced the same treatment, the same alienation, the same load of garbage. We all were met with the same response right. or non-response. <laughs> right. So it's interesting. Well, we all we all find a way, hopefully, find a way to survive. We develop our coping mechanisms, our, our patterns, and these things become ingrained in us. For you, the retreats. And for you, it was, I, I will rely on myself. I will man up. One of the things I, I think is a great strength in you is that even though you were just going to man up, you were going to do this, you, you still knew it was wrong. And, and you, you held on to that. Yeah. The brother that started to move up the chain 
he might have held that at some point, but at some point he has to let go of that in order to be okay with doing what he's doing. Exactly. And he actually was heavily disciplined, like the one who started telling stories and pretending like this was that. It was almost like his, he either started climbing the ladder and stopped getting disciplined. That was what he chose. Right. The other one just kept getting beaten and put in trailers and she just went to another place. Right. So, yeah, I mean, coping mechanisms, I think I'm well, (laughs) well aware of those. I've been thinking all week about the line you drew between the neglect as a child and me saying, okay, I've got to be the best at everything I do. Like, can't fail. I'm not meeting expectations. I'm exceeding expectations. It totally blew my mind. Yeah. And I've been thinking about it a lot all week. And it's the role that you took on that that became a defining characteristic of yours. Yeah. I literally am going to save myself, save my boyfriend, save my siblings. I'm going to, I will be the the one that saves. I will be the one that takes care of. I will be the one that they, they can rely on, not just for myself. It was when you started doing it for other people. We're going to dig at that some more down the line too, but some point. Absolutely. Probably many points, right? And it's, it's a wonderful quality. We just need to apply it to yourself. That's how we have to find that voice for you. There's a standard that I hold myself to. Uh And then there's a standard I hold everyone else to, including my children. I'm never, I'm never hard on my children. In fact, I may sometimes swing to the (laughs) not hard enough on my children, but I'm very enabling is the horror word. Encouraging is the Disney word. Mm -hmm. I like people to feel like they can, and I like to help people to succeed. But for me, it's it's different. And that is obviously not great. (laughs) Well, fortunately... (laughs) <laughs> you and I are starting to look at this and, and starting to see if we can shift this in some way, and we will. But that was your survival, your coping mechanism, what you did, what you learned, and to a degree, how you would thrive. I mean, that is yeah. work. And you got acknowledged for that, and it felt good, and you did well. Great. It fed that, and it's wonderful, and we need to calibrate it. And it's not just like, oh, slow down. Oh, take a vacation. No, it's it's the calibration might take a little while. It's not going to happen overnight. <laughs> no, because I've been at this level for decades. I mean, what, 30 yeah. odd years? It's a level that I'd say you can't maintain. But you, if I said that, you would prove me wrong and you'd maintain it. And then you would burn out. Yeah. <laughs> like out, out. I would say the only time that you ever get to like truly rest is when you are super, super sick and just can't get out of bed. I have been making a mental effort Hmm. to just chill out as long as I can stand it. Like I'm not pushing myself (laughs) to where I'm getting anxiety, but I will, I will run through it and say, why do I need to bounce out of bed? It's a small thing, but at least it's something, you know, where I'm saying, okay, maybe I can relax. I don't want to dismiss those small things. That's how we make change is all these small things. Yeah. So give your, give yourself a little more credit. Yeah. 
that's the start. There's this part of me that has this fear that if I if I let go, I'm going to go too far to the other side. It's kind of like, to me, it's like a messy house. You let it get messy. You let it go. It's like, okay, it's you have to throw everything out and start again. There's this fear in me that if I allow myself to relax more, wait longer, do things slower, do things maybe not as good, that I'll just be crap. (laughs) That's actually very, very normal. If you think of a pendulum swinging, yours has been pinned all the way over here for so long. Uh And we're just releasing it. So it's going to swing that way where you're going to feel like, wow, way over here. Oh man. And then it's going to swing back and it's, it's going to keep doing that till it finds a little center area where it can just oscillate right there in, in that zone that we're going for. Well, I wonder how long that's going to take. No, <laughs> no, there's already a part of me that's like, Oh, why can't I figure this out? I mean, what we're doing is exactly what I need because we're breaking it down. Yeah. Right there. there there's, Yes, we're breaking it down. Intellectually, we know this, but there's discomfort in you. It's discomfort both ways. It's discomfort to fail and discomfort to keep this going. Let's honor that and let's see if we can have a little compassion and understanding for little Sarah, because this is who we're talking to. The same way you would talk to daughter. That's the nature of doing something different and new. Yeah. And it is uncomfortable at first. Just the idea gives me anxiety, but it also, but it's also something I want. Right. Just the idea of being less than, lazier than, messier house than instant anxiety. Sure. Because all of those words have judgment attached to it, especially because it's me as you've known me dialed up to 11 all the time. And Anything not dialed up to 11 is subpar, is not okay. Yes. Can you take the 11 and then maybe turn it down to a 10 sometimes? That anxiety is going to come in because, wait, 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 no, 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 I need to be at 11. This is where I'm comfortable. No, 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 no. I don't want to let go of this. No, 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 no. This is who I am. This is how I am. This is what I know. Mm-hmm. And this is where we say, yes, there is anxiety there. There is discomfort there. There is change and there's growth. It's all of those things, and it's a process, and, and hopefully we can have some compassion for little Sarah, who's the one that's clinging to the way things are. Anything not 11 is different, new, and uncomfortable. And if people don't want to be at 11, then I do it for them, mm-hmm. which is even worse, I'm assuming. I can't think if there's disorder. Anything around me is not how it's supposed to be. I have to stop what I'm doing, fix it, and then carry on, which is difficult and obviously not totally conducive when you have a family. It's applied even in my work. Same with my house, same with everything. I just keep my kids' doors shut Mm -hmm. (laughs) as much as possible Yeah, because otherwise I won't be able to, to think about anything else until I clean their rooms. And we'll, we'll find levels of that that we can be okay with, that move us off of 11 a little bit. 
and not straight to two, even though it might feel like that at first, but we're going to hopefully find a way to do that a little more naturally and seamlessly. We need to categorize things. Our brain needs to do that. Mm-hmm. And we will learn that some of the categories we can create leave room for things not being perfect. Like junk drawers. I've given every room a junk drawer, which gets cleaned out every week, obviously. But (laughs) it is so that when I don't have time, I can just go put in the drawer and then I can think and function and do other things. Right. It's, It's what settles you for right now. It might change. It might not. It's just how you are right now. And some of that might shift. I don't think it's going to change so dramatically, but a lot of, you know, how our brains will think is that black and white, that all or nothing. So if I'm not at 11, I'm at two. And if I'm not like this, I'm going to be messy and I'm going to be the, there's, there's room in between and we'll find that. Okay. I can, I can tell you that it will be uncomfortable to move off of 11, even to 10.5. Part of that is a function of not being okay. Yeah. And for much of your life, you were not okay. Yeah. And that's real. And your brain got shaped that way. Yeah. It will take time to reshape it. And we can even just moving it a little bit. We have to remember to have compassion that we're doing something different and new. And that is going to trigger some anxiety and some discomfort. It will also hopefully lead to less stress, some freedom. The balance that I think that we have is not a work-life balance. It's balancing work, rest, and play. Yeah. And, and that's, that's an, a nice distinction because all, all of it falls under the, the umbrella of life. I'd like my life to be work, rest, and play. <laughs> it will be. We're getting there. I also want to make sure that our space here, you and me, is not just look at all these great things that I'm doing. Look at all this. It can also be, wow, this made me really uncomfortable. This was really hard to do. I mean, this is your place to kind of go, wow, as we're moving off of 11, as the pendulum is coming here, holy crap, here's what was happening. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And we are back with you. Hello there. So again, she starts out about work being crazy. And I wonder if it's just a COVID thing or if it's a, no, because I think she said in all reality, the last couple of weeks have been more crazy than usual, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, and then she was talking about making an effort to, to make herself less, less indispensable, which I thought was <laughs> impressive, right. like telling people they're going to have to wait and setting a boundary at her meeting, which is interesting because in my notes, I was like, oh, that's so awesome when the client makes a concrete change so quickly. And then I remember you saying, yes. And with her, it's like, is this more for the expectation of doing things well and quickly and right? And right. so the dialectic there is interesting. Yeah. And there's also an, an interesting dynamic that I'm aware of at this point where is she doing this to be a quote unquote good girl? Is Mm -hmm. she trying to please me and do the right thing? Or is she really just experimenting and trying this out and seeing what it happens? Right. Seeing what happens. Either way, 
she's creating a new neural pathway in her brain. Her brain is doing something different. So that's good. But I want to look at the motivation for it. Is it just motivation coming truly from within her and trying this out? Or is it, as we said, doing the right thing or, or being a good girl right. or making sure nothing bad happens? Right. Well, and and seemingly timing wise, she said she had her annual review and, and the only feedback was for her to slow <laughs> right. down and double check her work. So I felt like right. that was right. a another just obviously for her, it's not just you telling her it's just the timing is interesting. Yeah. And several things with her when she gets going is she will get really amped up. Yeah. Stepping in and getting her to like slow down. Yeah. It's, it's sometimes we do need to jump in and like go pause. Yeah. Okay. So I can't remember exactly. It was in my mind, it was pretty out of nowhere. And maybe we didn't hear some of the session, but out of the blue, you then were like, well, how do you want to be a mother when your kids are in college? And I was like, aren't they fucking like little teenagers or like, and it was funny. It was seamless. She was like, oh yeah. And I'm like, what? You guys were just talking about her at work. <laughs> I get t- bringing up her kids and her being a mom, but how did you get jump it to college? It was just very, I was just like, how did that happen? So tell us, Doug. It's a technique I, I use that's sort of like narrative, mm-hmm. but it, it's picturing something out in the distance and looking at something objectively, you can't see the forest for the trees uh-huh, when you're when you're looking at what's happening to you right now, right in your current environment, right? Uh-huh. So I even said, hey, uh, go with me here if you can. I want to yeah. make a comparison. I introduced it. So I, I did transition her and step her out for a second. My thinking was, is she going to be the type of mother to her college kids that is going to be smothering mother? That's going to like go there. And I even said it as we were talking about, like, are you going to go there? Are you going to unpack for them, walk them to class the first day and all that? Or are you just going to like let them do their thing just to see how in her personal life, not work life, she can do that because she allows her kids to have a lot of independence and wants them to learn and grow. So I wanted to see if she can access that part of her thinking, that part of her brain, that part of how she is. Right. And then relate it back to at work. Cause at work, she's so driven by just doing it right, doing it the right way and, and taking care of everything. She has a hard time just delegating and letting something happen and, and letting somebody, I'm sure you'll hit this in a minute, but letting somebody quote unquote fail. Right. And it's so funny too, because in the past, I would have been like, "Ugh, yeah, don't be that mom. That's so annoying. I mean, my parents, I don't even think they ever visited me at college ever. So that was not a thing. Really? I definitely, oh no, they definitely didn't unpack me or no. But now that my niece is, they start school tomorrow. She's going to be a senior and she's doing all of her college. What? I know. I know. Now that she's getting ready and doing all, she wants to go to school in the East Coast in New York. And I'm like, absolutely not you are not, she's my favorite human. I was like, you're not leaving. And if you are, I am going to go. She, her first choice is Boston college. I'm like, I'm going to come there all the time. I cannot know. I will definitely unpack you and, and like walk you to class. <laughs> See? I know. Right. I mean, I right. would obviously, actually I was going to say I would never, of course I would if she would let me. Because Meredith has issues. <laughs> I know. I know. So at least we'll have my nephew who's a year younger. But yeah. So, and then you did the, wait, did you say, or did she, the Disney and the, the Disney one and horror. the horror one? Was that, you said right. that, right? Okay. 
So what's your Disney version and what's your horror version, which I love that. Oh, that's another analogy I'm going to write down. And, <laughs> you know, and she was saying like, oh, I want to be involved. Disney would be to be involved and drive there and set, help set them up and then leave. And I was right. like, okay, that's cool. That's a, that's a Disney version. She said like, I still want to do the fun stuff and remain on the other side to have them gain their independence, right. which I liked. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said to her, like letting them have their independence, their autonomy and be the safety net because a big part of this for her was that protective instinct. You right. Know, that's what I was getting at when we call her the mama bear. Yeah. She has that in her very much. And remember that this all started by looking at how she does things at work. Right. And the whole idea of I'm not jumping because I know you're going to hit it. <laughs> failing, failing is not okay Yeah, when it's failing, when right. it's learning, it's okay, but we'll, we'll get there. We can talk about it now. Cause it's almost the next thing. Oh, I can go out of sequence. Well, yeah, because the only other thing I had before that was that when she was a kid, she had to figure out everything for herself and right. there was no room from complaining. She got no praise. And so she wants them to not feel alone, but like be responsible. And so then the failing versus learning. Yeah. And I, I will say also that a lot of what you're hearing from her with how she is with her kids is what she didn't get, which is somebody that totally. is a safety net that she can go to them, that she will be there for them. Yeah. She didn't have that. She's talked about anytime she's gone to somebody, you know, at least in the cult environment, when she was going to somebody and asking them, how to do things. It was the way they do things. And that was it. Right. You couldn't question anything. Right. Even her asking people like, yeah, what kind of life did you have before the cult? Like they wouldn't answer. They were elusive or they, they I mean, it was just so uncomfortable and guarded. I mean, it's very controlling and it's a lot of what she and I scratch at is where these same issues pr being protective or lack of protection or being controlling or being right. controlled come into play. And she said from, from day one, I want to know, I want to look at where this stuff comes from. Her saying, I want the data. I want the data. So we can look at where it comes from and we can look at what it is now. I'm careful about, I don't want her intellectualizing it too much. Like the way she says, after the cold, I went straight to the library. I just yeah. read everything voraciously that I could and learned about everything and studied everything. And there was no Googling stuff back then. Yeah, so yeah. she really was taking all this on, but I'm really looking at, well, can we have an emotional experience of this or can we tap into the emotional experience you had then? Right. And also partly again, to answer your question, Mary, why I was bringing up the, okay, well, let's, let's shift gears when your kids go to college is getting her outside of her current intellectualizing and way of being and just looking at something like off in the distance over there. It doesn't exist yet. It's hypothetical. She's, I think, very much rooted in current experience and past experience and concrete and data yeah. and, and that. So, so just shifting, shifting her thinking a little bit. Right. Well, and this, a lot of this came up. She was talking about how her daughter had worked really hard, really, really hard right. on something and she failed it. Mm, she got a C. So she didn't really fail it. She did not fail it. That was the whole point. I know. <laughs> yeah. Her daughter, like went through the assignment. She really thought she had done it well and she was crying. And even, even Sarah was like, you did a wonderful job. And I thought it was great. Right. So let's look at this. Yeah. Right? And, and the interesting part, right. Was that she had skipped a section because she needed to slow down. 
<laughs> I think huh? so many of us can slow down. Well, the whole world can fucking slow down, slow down with everything. And at the same time, there are people who do not need to slow down. They need to, it's not that they need to <laughs> speed up. They just need to be able to be present enough to do, I think. And also right. obviously mental health issues get in the way, but I liked how she went back through it with her. And I'm thinking that's not very common. I mean, I guess now it's more common. I just read this article about mothers and increased depression in moms during COVID because they mm. now play just like 20 different roles that they, they're not trained to be in. They're not trained to be a teacher. Right. They're not trained right. to be a companion. They're not trained right. to be a, all of this stuff, tutor. And, but the fact that she sat down with her and did that is amazing as a mom. And again, it's right. that fine line between, okay, let's look at this. Like I didn't do the assignment for you, which I know a lot of moms have been doing during COVID and, and dads, <laughs> right. but sure. whatever. Well, and that, that's for, for what we were looking at. A lot of how I tried to spin it was without directly saying this, but I think at some point I almost did. You're teaching them from your own subjective experience. Mm -hmm. So you're looking at how you would do it, how you would approach it. Yeah. And then she kind of got, you know, when I said the thing about slowing down, she's like, oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. They're picking up all of my worst traits. I'm like, yeah, but all your best ones too. Yeah. It was funny. I was thinking, wow, she didn't connect that till the words came out of her mouth, which is what happens. Right. right. I mean, she talks she, and thinks so fast and so quickly that it's sometimes I will repeat something or launch something, or I will need to actually say, Hey, we're going to shift gears here. Yeah. And I will, I will make the shift, but, and every now and then you'll hear me say something to her and it will just stop her for a second Yeah, because she will just go intellectually, logically. That's how she's driven. It's protective for her. So as a therapist, I can't just go, wait, stop, take that armor off right. and let's go there. That's not safe for somebody that's had this kind of complex trauma. Yeah. And you guys talked about mom, Sarah versus work, Sarah. And right. There's always going to be similarities at our core. We are who we are. And some of it's going to translate and some of it's not. And that, that we are who we are. The coolest thing is like saying like, you're such a great mother to your kids. I wonder if you can learn from yourself as you mother them with the parenting you didn't get. And she kind of did stop for a second and go, wow, I've never thought about it that way. Right. And it, it really did like stop her for a second. And, and she was like, yeah, okay. And I think she, she got that. I don't know how much that will like register as she's like, she's not going to be nurturing her kids in some way and somehow thinking consciously gosh, this is wonderful nurturing. It feels nurturing to me to say this. And I wish somebody would say this to me. I think it's going to happen unconsciously for her. Right. But I don't want, I don't want how she is as a mother to her children to go unnoticed by her in some way. I want it to get noticed. Yeah. And one of the things she mentioned was growing up in the cult, how every sibling reacted differently to their upbringing, which I think is very, mm -hmm. I mean, obviously your sister and you, my sister, I mean, but when you have 10 brothers and sisters and you're in such a crazy environment or what, you know, whatever you want to call it, you can see how one leaned into it. One completely turned away from it. One's in the, it's just so, and it will always be like that. And 
I don't know how much that even has to do with the parenting as much as the environment, at least in that situation, because I don't even know that the parents were around much. You're right, because dad left at six and there was, you know, the stepdad that was horrible. And I think for her, what she remembers of that and what she says, the two words that stick out for me a lot are heartbreak and abandonment. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what she remembers. And what helped her was being that mama bear, being that mama Sarah to her siblings and helping them out and seeing how she could kind of get something out of taking care of them and helping them along and, and doing that and, and being that for them. But she never, again, never got it for herself. It was only through the act of doing it for others that she got to play that out. So now seeing it in her children, it's can you see what, that you're giving them similar to what you gave your siblings, similar to what you didn't get, but let's try to get a little of it now if we can. Right. You guys talked about enabling her horror and her Disney enabling was her horror and her Disney was encouraging and the high expectations that she has of herself. Eventually she's going to burn out. And I think she talked about making an effort to just like chill out, but not going too far. You guys talked about not going too far in one direction, right? Yeah, she's she's worried that if she if she lets herself go, she'll go too far. And that goes back to one of the first sessions we had where she said that Bruce Almighty scene where he opens yeah. the filing cabinet yeah. and it just goes. She's like, I don't want to go so far the other way. I think there's there's a fear there. That's partly the trauma response. That's partly, you know, taps into the fear she felt as a kid that things are very binary. They're very black or white. It's you're good or you're bad. Right. You do it their way or you're punished. Right. So even just talking about a pendulum, talking about calibration, talking about a spectrum, this is a new way for her to think about things, for her to be. So she's any chance we get to kind of highlight that things are on that spectrum and yeah, how can you do that? And yes, moving from, if you got the dial cranked to 10 or 11, moving it down even one, is going to feel like you've gone the other way. Yeah. And I can totally so relate to that I with a, a bunch of things. But once I, part of my eating disorder stuff was compulsive over exercising. And once I right. went to treatment, there was days where I was exercising like up to eight hours a day, not, you know, I would do two and a half hours of yoga and three hour hike and two hours of plot. It wasn't like right. I sat on a bike for eight hours, but same idea. And then when I got out of treatment, I was like, okay, I really need to slow this down. So I had to shift the kind of yoga I did. And, and then I, I kind of went far in the other direction. I mean, for me, you know, working out a couple of days a week or something. And I, it took me a while to, to find that middle path, which is always hard. Right. Balance is, I mean, I think it's something that we're supposed to strive for, but finding more balance in life. And if I don't have structure, I told you today, we were talking today, yeah. I didn't have anything <laughs> planned in structure. And I just kind of like, I don't even know what I did the first half. I just felt like such a weirdo because judging myself, I wasn't right. doing anything or quote unquote being productive. But so I think it, it is hard. The fear of letting yourself eat whatever you want. Like, well, you don't have to do that every day, right? You don't have to do right. it right seven days a week. You can find that balance somehow. Same with, with everything. And in, there'll be a learning curve, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, 
giving yourself some allowance to be in that learning phase. That's why I said it's not failing, it's learning. We are going to need to find that balancing. And balancing isn't like that single point or that line. People think it's, oh, you know, that that balance, it's walking that tightrope. Well, I yeah. mean, if you can actually picture a tightrope walker, like at least in the cartoons, they have that long stick that they they kind of use that teeters yeah, back and they forth. Wobble. Yeah, yeah. I think of balance not as that single rope that they're walking along, but I think of balance as being that that long stick that's kind of teetering back and forth. Great analogy. Great analogy, Doug. All right. Yeah. I'm uh, write that one down. Happens. I don't know what my notes say for this, but because I can't read them for some reason. Yes, everybody, listeners, I write. I do not type as much as possible. <laughs> A, because I love writing, and B, my nails are too long now. So it's hard to type. But junk drawer. She mentioned a junk drawer, and I'm like, oh, yeah. I have one junk drawer in my house, just one. And sometimes when I open it, I'm like, what the fuck is this? Why do I have this like double-sided <laughs> tape in here? Or what is this little screw for? It's just the most random shit. But right. I love the idea of just one junk drawer. Just one. Yeah. Let yourself have it. Oh, yeah. It, it's funny because I, I, I think having the junk drawer to me is hilarious because it often, again, for me, is that place where... I don't really know where it goes. I don't want to throw it away. I don't know what purpose it serves. So just it'll it'll go in there. And when you're looking for something, you're like, oh, it's probably in the junk drawer. And you open it. For me, again, yeah. it's rarely in there. Yeah, totally. You know? And the times that I've actually gone through a junk drawer to clear it, I'm like, almost all of it winds up in the trash. Yep, totally. A hundred percent. Snapping it back to to her. It's that idea of for so much of what she does compartmentalizing or shoving it with like having junk drawers, like, right. That's her getting a handle on something. That's her packing something away and compartmentalizing. And yep. she's got all these different compartments and all these things and, and then trying to balance and, and her going, right. And that's, you know, one of my favorites, her going work-life balance. I'm like, uh, no, the balance is work, rest, play to me. I could be wrong on this, but it's not work-life balance. Work, rest, play. Why not play, rest, work? Fine. doesn't matter the order. They're oh, just oh I things. thought you were saying in order. Okay. No, 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 no. It's all life, right? Yeah. There's, to me, there's no such thing as work, life. It's all life. Oh, yeah, yeah. We need to find that, that work, rest, and play, because those are very different things. Yes. And it's, it's something that finding that for her especially is going to take some calibration. Things are going to feel uncomfortable. It's going to feel different. And that's great. That's what we do this for. This is this is kind of swinging the pendulum all over the place. Yeah. Can't wait to hear what happens next. We're learning a lot about her. Yeah. And I'm 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 liking that I don't know what you guys how you guys are are taking all this from what you've heard about her so far, but one of my gauges is you, Mare. And you're not just saying to me, like, when is she gonna start talking about the cult again? When are you gonna start getting into that again? Right. Like we're talking about her life and yep. it's great. And it's to me really cool that we're not just focused on, Oh, her life growing up in a cult. Cause that's not her life. That was her upbringing and that was an experience, but it's not all of her. So I like that we're kind of working on, it's where totally. a lot of her stuff came from. So we'll probably hit a lot of that, which we do. Right. But it, it's, yeah, I, I like her. I like her learning. I like her progressing. I like her, 
taking this stuff on. And yes, you're right. When you said it earlier, like, wow, she's telling, she's doing just what you were telling her to do. I'm like, yeah, but I don't want it that way. I want it naturally, but this might be natural for her. Exactly. It's hard to know. It, it is. Yeah. I think it is. And then there'll be both. She'll walk the tightrope. <laughs> okay. So yeah, we will uh, talk at you next week. All right, guys. Talk to you later. We'll see you next week. Bye. 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 